Ready to go? Oh, yeah. I always bite my lip when I clap. Mm. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Let's go! out of my cage and I'm feeling just fine because it's Sunday guys and welcome to Soul Revival Digital. I am joined on this lovely panel by two lovely people and on my right I have Tim Bilhart. How are you? Children's pastor. I am doing very well. Thank you Joel. Feeling great? Oh, I'm feeling fine. You were saying actually that feeling just great. Did you come out of your cage like me? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you were just saying before that your unit is great for uh, where you live is great for, it's like a bed and breakfast for usual life, not during COVID restrictions, but during COVID restrictions, it's quite difficult. Oh yeah, that's true. We uh, live, uh, for those who don't know, across in South Village, three bedroom apartment with the four of us, Ros, myself and two kids. Uh, and it's awesome. We love living in South Village. We love our apartment. Uh, and yes, you're right. During normal life, non-lockdown time, uh, three bedroom apartment is absolutely perfect. Um, <laughs> and during lockdown life, it's a little bit squishy. Um, just having four people working from home, learning from home, Ros trying to teach from home, um, uh, both of us on Zooms and phone calls regularly, all the kids on different Zooms and phone calls and bits and pieces. So, yep. um, yeah, a little stir-crazy sometimes, but we're, we're doing okay. Oh, look, I'm, I'm attached here. Oh, you've done well. Um, well or well to do a bad job or anyway. Um, I like that you call it a bed and breakfast, but I, I feel like I might like to come and say at some point if it is <laughs> yeah. a bed and breakfast. Hotel a la Bill Hutz. <laughs> and joined on my left here by Fee Francesconi. How are you today? Yeah, I'm well. Thank you, Joel. I was going to attack you for wearing a Colonel Mustard, but you were telling me it's orange, that jumper. It's, it's orange. It may be, it's, it's not quite as orange as our good friend Lionel, but it is, um, you know, it's an attempt to, to match with, with Lionel, who oh, is, is it? actually green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of mustard, uh, have you been practicing any new cooking methods or doing something new with your menu while you uh, have to stay at home more often um yeah so um we during normal life non-covid life um usually have a night um dinner with my family once a week yes. and we do uh Solis on saturday night and um and we do woolaware on Sunday night, so there's three nights a week where we don't cook, but that's <laughs> not happening at the moment. So there's a lot of lot more cooking going on in our house, um, and so that means we've yeah gotten a little bit creative at different times, and also tried a little bit of baking, which you know everybody's into. Yeah. Um, we did the one for late night a little while ago. We made these little Oreo balls that were awesome, and I was pretty proud of myself because my um, one of my nieces has recently been um, diagnosed as celiac. And so our whole family, we haven't had any special diet stuff up till now. We've um, not had to um, do that particular little journey. And um, so now we're learning a little bit. And um, I know I – so I went and found the equivalent to an Oreo in gluten-free and got the other bits and pieces and made some that I could share with them because, you know, a whole batch of Oreo truffle things for Sidey and I was a little bit extreme. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty fun. I was proud of my, like, my gluten-free cooking. Efforts. Well done. Uh, now, uh, has Sidey been adding a little bit of Italian bellissima to the, uh, to the, to the menu? Not really. Um, he does make a mean pesto, but he hasn't Ooh. done that for a little while. That's yeah, everybody. So Fresh he's got an older... is awesome. Oh. So his mum used to make the most amazing pesto. She's not Italian. His dad is the Italian one, but um, they lived in Italy for a while. Mm -hmm. um, 
before they moved back to Australia and they um yeah and she made lovely Italian type food as a result um and so yeah Saidi makes the pesto it's really funny because he's got two brothers an older and a younger um but in their families it's the in-law, my sister-in-laws that make the good pesto. So my sister-in-law of Sadie's younger brother makes great pesto. Yeah. Sister-in-law of Sadie's older brother makes great pesto. I don't think that Nick and, and Matt do any pesto making. They're not the pesto brothers. But in our family, Sadie makes the pesto. Oh, <laughs> and I'm feeling quite, you know, like equally whatever about that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty nice. Have, uh, uh, a little bit of a little bit of basil. Is it basil? No spinach. No, no, what definitely no, no. Is it basil. Well. You can make it with rocket and other things like that. You can actually make a tomato-based pesto. It's very – Italy is super regional yeah, and they're super cooking, on the, like, minimal ingredients but really good quality. So that's mm. the traditional Italian. I know. It's amazing. So when, you know, when my um, father-in-law, um, like, many years ago before we had any sort of other types of pizza around, he would say, in Australia, you can't get pizza. Because to him, like, if you were in Naples, a pizza had, you know, the base and, like, three ingredients on it or something. So I'm, the whole I'm idea totally of the supreme. Yeah. And oh, when yeah, he I said agree. that to me, I'm like, I think I might like pizza like that. Oh, and since then, pizza has changed in Australia and I yeah. do love pizza. Yeah. So there you go. Beautiful. That awesome, squishy Neapolitana. One, the one down in Cronulla. Um, there's a few of them see, around see, now, see, actually. See, see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's some good ones. <laughs> yes. Any so, pizzas in your family there, Tim? Yes. <laughs> or pesto. In a matter of fact, yeah. did we do? What oh, is we didn't it? Basil, basil, basil is the basil? key ingredient. Pine nuts Pine and nuts. parmesan cheese. And you got you're forgetting something very important. Salt, garlic, garlic. Oh, gotta have garlic sorry. in there as well. I just keep yeah. doing the. Yeah, really good olive oil. That makes yes. a massive difference. Olive oil. If you have of bad course. olive oil, it just kills it. Yeah, Tim, do you have any <laughs> recommendations? Any recommendations? Uh, I'm, I'm very Australian in my pizza. The more the merrier in terms of toppings. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Oh, I, was waiting for, I was waiting for you like to that. do that um, debate about uh, pineapple on a pizza. And oh. I'm like, who cares, guys? Just if you like a look, pineapple, I if you don't like a pineapple, it's fine. Doesn't I, matter. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I do like, like my pineapple on a pizza. Yeah, you do. Oh yeah, absolutely. You like it. Okay, yeah. but you don't like it. But yeah. I do like anchovies. Yeah, anchov- I can do an anchovy. Yep. That's yep. me. I don't know if I could do anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> and olives, all the good stuff. <laughs> Oh, no, see, olives I can't do either, which is... Oh. Yeah. On I'm a pizza try- or in general? Uh, in general, I just struggle with the taste of olives. I'm trying to be Italian, but then I'm like, I don't yeah. like olives. <laughs> Sadie's, yeah, <laughs> similarly. Yeah, uh, those Sicilian olives, the little green ones that are a little bit more sort of crunchy, he does like them, but other olives he didn't like. So I used to pay him out for being a bad Italian. Like <laughs> Italian things. Okay. Well, this is a church gathering, so we should make sure it is a church gathering. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> not to downplay the fact, but uh, Karen, uh, one of our pastors, is now going to pray for us. So, we'll let her do that. Hi, everyone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are always with us and hear our prayers. Thank you that we can approach your throne with confidence because of the saving work of Jesus. Lord, you are faithful to your promises, and we know that we can trust you in all things. But sometimes, particularly when we are experiencing difficulties, we tend to take things into our own hands. I pray that as we spend time with you in prayer and in your word, that you will help us to learn to trust you more. Father, help us to remember that our self-sufficiency will never be enough and that the best path for us is to depend on you. As we reflect on our current situation, on the people that we love, that we can't spend time with right now, on the impact of this virus on people across the world, 
we ask that you pour out your grace and halt this virus in its tracks. Father, we pray for those in our community and those across the world who are dealing with the impact of COVID. Please intervene and bring an end to the cycles of infection that continue to spread across our world. We pray particularly for our Indigenous partners in Bawarana, Dubbo and North West New South Wales who are now in lockdown too. And we pray particularly that you'll protect these vulnerable communities. Lord, we also pray for those among us who are sick or struggling. Please pour your peace out on them so that they will know your loving presence and be given the patience they need to get through this time. Father, as we um, pray, we think about the Bailey family and the loss of Sandy's father. Lord, we mourn with the Bailey family now as they grieve. Please be with them and may they know your comfort and presence during this time of loss. Father, we also pray for the emotional health of all of us as the lockdown continues and impacts us each in various ways. Please be with us and help us to find new ways to support each other. Lord, we know that even though we are hindered in many ways right now, we can't do life as we normally do. We can't move around freely. But Lord, we know that you are not hindered. We know that you still continue to work in situations and in people's lives across the world. And we thank you so much for that. And we thank you particularly now for the work of Trudy and Anthony as they work in an ongoing way with the Heading North Ministry in Ethiopia. Lord, we want to pray specifically for that community now. And we pray that more and more people in that community will experience your love and get to know Jesus despite the difficult circumstances that they're in. Lord, we pray for protection and provision for the many people experiencing conflict and vulnerability due to loss of land, uh, loss of family members, illness, loss of income. Lord, we pray that you will be their provider, that you will provide everything that they need. And we thank you that we have seen already many ways that you are blessing this community and we pray that you will continue to do that and continue to raise up people to um, serve in leadership roles and to be on the board and to help serve and love that community. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you understand our suffering for you have suffered too. Please bring great good out of this great evil. Please remind each of us that we do not need to make the journey of life on our own in our own strength, but that you are here as close to us as our own breath. You fill our hearts with your love. You surround us with your powerful protective arms and you guide us in your path. Father, we bring all of these things to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, it is uh, great to be back and it's a very special moment because we've got two people here who are both uh, regulars on our SR Digital gatherings. I'm more regular. No, you're you not. You are more regular, Lionel, but they've never been at the table at the same time. So it's great. Uh, Lionel, as we know. Hi. And uh, our friend Joy. Hey, everyone. How are you going? Hi. Oh, hi, Lionel. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to have both of you here together. Um, Lionel, I just thought because you haven't actually been here with Jai before, I wonder if there was any questions you wanted to know. I know you've seen him as you've rewatched the services online. Um, But is there any particular questions you had for Jai just to get to know him a little bit better? Why haven't we met yet? Well, you're avoiding (laughs) me. Uh, Jai. You're avoiding me. Lionel, you're avoiding me. You're avoiding me. You're avoiding me. No, you're avoiding me. You're avoiding me. 
No, me. Uh, okay, okay, no, okay, Lionel. Right. Um, <laughs> Tim. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Lionel. I don't think he likes me. Look, just, that's uh, not it. That, I, I think there's, there's a lot of mutual love going on between you guys. Thanks, We're Tim. both hairy. You are both hairy. We are. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My hair's better. Mine's and, a bit better, uh, mate. All over. So that is true. And it's better. And it's better. No, mine. It is. No, no. Okay. So, yeah, settle Come down, guys. Here. Settle down. Okay. Um, so... You're, we've Jai doesn't think he's avoiding you, so I don't think you should be taking that personally. The fact that you haven't been at the table at the same time. Thanks, uh, Tim. Is there anything else you'd like to know, Lionel, about Jai? Um, why do you wear flannelettes all the time? Flannelettes all the time. <laughs> the jacket thingy. Yeah, uh, I, I think that goes back to the yeah the, the music that you're into, the style, Jai. Um, yeah, well, I mean, why are you wearing flannelettes all the time? Well, yeah, I, I grew up in the 90s and listened to 90s grunge music and still kind of love it. Boring! What oh. all? Thanks, mate. It is! That's rude. It's old. <laughs> you're old. Uh, I mean, Jai is old. That oh, is yeah. true. Yes. Yeah, um, you're old. Yeah. Fair enough, fair but enough. But it, he's allowed to be wearing the flannel, so that's okay. Really? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Are you Jim. sure? I'm sure. Yeah, personal choice. What we wear is totally okay. Right. Yeah. Come on, mate. Give me a break. All right. Uh, maybe we've got time for, I think, one more question, Lionel. Is there one more question you'd like to ask, Joy? Do you like to fight crime? Do you fight, do you fight crime? On the weekends. <laughs> On the, or any other time, Joy? No, I don't like to clean at all, weekends or any time. You don't like cleaning? No. That's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> don't, don't leave just yet. Don't leave just I yet. I don't know. We, um, thanks. Uh, it's been great having you both here. Um, it's, uh, we're, we're also thinking this week um, about remembering the core parts of our faith and as we're going to be hearing about in our Bible reading and in our sermon later on, um, to not neglect the foundations but also to move on as well, um, to grow into maturity and that's how we continue in the faith. Uh, so it's great that you guys have got to know each other. One thing I know you both have in common is that you know the core part of the gospel story. Lionel, what is the core part of the gospel story? Jesus! Jesus, Good that's job. right. Jesus lived and died and rose again to be our friend and our king. And that is the foundation. That is the bit that we do not uh, leave behind, but we continue to grow in maturity in that. And that keeps us in the faith. So Lionel, thank you for coming on. Jai, thanks for coming and being at the table right, at Tim, the same mate. time. Um, that's all right. I'm very grown up. You're very grown up. No, you're I not. am grown up. No, you're not, mate. No, you're not. My mum says so. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Calm it down, guys. Calm it down. Whatever. <laughs> we will see both of you again really soon. Bye. See ya. I'm in.
Bible, so if you'd like to grab your own Bible, whether it's on your phone or in the paper version, go ahead and we're going to hear from Hebrews chapter 5. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm one of the leaders at the West Rite Gathering, and it's my honor to be reading the Bible for us today. So please grab your Bibles and open it to the book of Hebrews. I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 12, starting at chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. very much to Ian from West Ride who read that uh, Bible reading for us and um, I am joined again by or joined again by Fee but also joined by Paul now uh, you'll be doing the sermon for us today and Paul I was just going to ask you in preparing for this sermon what struck you what are the kind of themes that really struck you in, in this passage um, well it's uh, uh, a bit of a famous passage that comes out of Hebrews uh, it's one of the scarier passages in Hebrews and so I must admit I couldn't help but look ahead in the preaching roster and see where I'd fallen and (laughs) and so I was like okay I got it I got the um, tough tough one one." Mm. Um, and so it's always good to actually have a a serious uh, wrestle with that with with some trickier parts of God's word and um, and I was just I was really encouraged by it and so I hope um Everyone listening is will be encouraged as well. Yeah, that's cool. Fee, I know that being in Bible study if you're not for, with you for a number of years, um, I, I always find quite encouraging that sometimes you say there are some things in the Bible that we can't work out or are just beyond our comprehension. Can you expand on that a little bit for people? Because I think that's worth hearing. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I definitely think that um, there's, a, there's a funny little quote that um, I've – Joel's probably heard before. Um, I, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's John Stott. And I'm pretty sure I read it in a little book that he wrote that was designed to prepare um, young people who had been baptised as infants and were going through a confirmation, which not everybody would be familiar with now, but it was just an opportunity for somebody who'd been baptised and had promises made on their behalf as a kid to have um, that um, as, a, um, as a young person or as an adult as well but often um, young people would have that opportunity to say yes I, I want to be a Christian I want to walk for Jesus and take those baptism promises on themselves um, so that's a, um, a particular thing I used to be involved in at, um, at yes, an older church did. I did the classes with you yeah yeah and so I did a lot of thinking about that and this book from John Stott 
had a little quote where he said, um, thinking that you're going to understand everything about God is like the pancake you made for breakfast, thinking it's going to understand everything about you. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never forgotten that because it struck me as, isn't it, isn't it crazy that sometimes we think that we're going to be able to put everything in the Bible in a box? And, and sometimes, sadly, people think if they can't put everything in the Bible into a particular order and box and, and, and sort it all out, that there's a, that's a barrier to their faith. And I think that's really sad because if God is a God worth following, there are going to be some things that we're going to struggle with. There are going to be some things we're going to wrestle with. But the thing that encourages me is if we do come to them fresh, I think we... We will, I'm not going to say always because I, I can't be that bold, but I think we'll often come to the point that Paul was where the things that seem hard actually encourage us really beautifully. Um, yeah, so I think it's okay to not understand things. Um, it's okay to look further. We shouldn't say I don't understand it and just chuck it out the door. Um, there's another lovely quote from um, one of my lecturers years ago at college where he was talking about um, that um, there were always... Um, there are always shadows and and um, uh, and, the, and then there's the clouds and the shadows and the, and the, the oh no I'm going to get it wrong anyway I'm going to go Stewie knows it Stewie says it a little bit um, and um, but the the in import of it is that you've got to think about the fact that um, there will be things that we can look into and we won't always find all the answers um, but it's a very good thing to look into them as much as we can so we should study the Bible we should work hard to understand it but also have the final opinion that if it doesn't fully make sense to me if I can't fully get my head around it that shouldn't actually be necessarily a barrier to my faith yeah I think that's pretty cool and I'm sure uh, you're going to touch on a few of those themes with your sermon so I'd invite you to please uh please enlighten us further Paul <laughs> okay yeah yeah I mean well interesting you speak of uh, a book by uh, great giants of the of the of the Christian faith, like John Stott, and and just a couple of weeks ago on this panel, we were talking about some inspiring books that people were reading, and Amy was talking about the um, uh, Corrie Ten Boom, wasn't it? Corrie Ten Boom, yeah. the yes. the uh, biographies, the Christian biographies that yeah. are very challenging. Um, so it got me thinking, and I, I came across this classic um, <laughs> the other day: <laughs> "Spot Goes to the Circus." Um, it's really a surprising read. I mean, just listen to this. Um, as it starts and as we get drawn in to this um, narrative. Here we are at the circus. Fetch your ball, spot. So just as we're sort of relaxing down to uh, a lovely game of, of fetch, at the, at the circus no less, um, we're then shocked by a stunning plot twist. <laughs> and so it says, it's okay mum, I've got it. Spot thinks he's got his ball. Here it is here. But then we get this twist in the plot. That's not a ball spot, that's a clown nose. <laughs> and so as we're reeling from that shock surprise, we're compelled, compelled to read further on into the story. But I'm not going to do that because I'll ruin it for you and you really should read it yourself. Now, as great as this book is, as great as this book is, um, if this was the only book I was reading and this level, you'd be a little bit concerned. Uh, indeed, you would be fully um, right to rebuke me and say, you know what, Paul, it's time to move on from these types of books uh, onto something a little bit more serious. Um, and our passage today, as it was read, 
actually contains um, that kind of rebuke. Um, the key verse really to this section is actually chapter 6, verse 1. We've got it here on the screen for you. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. So the big question is this. I mean, how much does it matter that we grow up as Christians? Um, is it okay for us to be content with a Sunday school level of understanding about the Christian faith? Is it okay to be um, satisfied with just having the basics, the bare basics of the gospel? Um, the simple but very serious answer to these questions is no. It is absolutely not okay to remain immature. And so again, we're reminded, chapter 6, verse 1, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Because failure to grow up in Jesus is to put ourselves in a very, very dangerous place. And so with that in mind, why don't we pray now that God would help us to understand his word and grow us to maturity in him. Let's pray. The word of God is living and active and can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so, Lord God, we ask that your word would be powerfully at work in our hearts today. Please help us to grow into maturity in love and service of your Son. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Well, um, as we've been reading through the book of Hebrews, it's um, clear to see that it's all about Jesus, about who he is, about what he has done, about the difference that he will make. Jesus is the Son of God. Um, he has made purification for sins once and for all. Um, and now and forever he will be our high priest, seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. But um, the writer of this letter is concerned that this understanding about Jesus does not just remain cold academic information. Uh, the writer here has a pastoral concern for his readers. His aim is to move people deeply in heart and mind to commit fully to Jesus. The reality of who Jesus is, of what he has done, demands an urgent, ongoing and wholehearted response. It's not just for those in the first century too. It's actually from each of us as we read this letter today. You know, this pastoral urgency is seen in, these rep in the repeated warnings that we, we find in Hebrews. Um, do you remember them over the, last, the previous weeks in chapter 2? We were told to pay close attention to the word of salvation lest we drift away from it. Then in chapters 3 and 4, um, our attention was drawn to the people of God, those people who had been rescued from Egypt and led to the promised land and yet they failed to enter. Their failure was an example for us. And so we're told, do not harden your heart like those in the wilderness. We're told, be careful that you don't have an evil and unbelieving heart that leads you away from the living God. Well, today we come to another warning passage. And indeed, you could say the sharpest and most scary warning in the letter. Well, what prompts this sharp warning? Well, in the verses just before our passage today, the writer has started to unpack what it means for Jesus to be the great high priest. And just before he gets on a roll explaining that, he stops and says this in verse 11 here on the screen. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because 
you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In short, the writer doesn't think his readers are ready to hear this deeper teaching about Jesus. And you know, it's not because they're intellectually unable to do it. It's simply because, in verse 11 it says there, they no longer try to understand. They had become lazy. They just didn't want to hear it. They were content to stay at an infant's level of the Christian faith. And the warning here is they're being told to get out of the Sunday school sandpit, to put on their big boy pants and get on from the infant's level of understanding to something more substantial. Now, did you notice actually as we were reading that, in verse 12, there's an expectation that at a certain time, all Christians should be able to teach others. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not just the role of an ordained minister or someone paid to do it. Every Christian should want to pass on God's words to others. The mature follower of Jesus um, doesn't just seek to get things, but actually seeks to give encouragement and teaching others. Okay, so that's the problem. The problem is a laziness that's led to immaturity. So how do we address this issue? We come to chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, at first glance, this seems a little bit strange. I mean, moving behind, moving beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, well, that sort of sounds a bit like what a heretic would do. You know, you, you, you start with Jesus and then you move on to something else, maybe another type of spirituality. So what we're going to be understanding here, we're not being encouraged to move on from Jesus actually to stay grounded in him, but we should be growing to become more mature uh, in our understanding of him, um, to not be content with just a, a basic understanding of Jesus. Now this will become even clearer when we understand that the elementary teachings that are listed out here in these verses are actually found in the Old Testament. That is, they're actually not distinctively Christian teachings but basic foundational teachings that are found in Judaism. Now, think of the original readers of this letter. They were under serious persecution because of their faith. And the context was that they had moved out of their Jewish faith. They had converted out of Judaism. But now they were feeling the pressure, especially under persecution, to revert back to their old Jewish ways so as to not stick out so far. You see, if they had to stick with these elementary doctrines, well, they wouldn't have to make that much of a break from the people around them. But on the other hand, if they committed to a very deep understanding of Jesus, 
well, then they'd be compelled to understand that he is the Messiah and declare that salvation is found in him alone. And that's the rub, isn't it? As you deepen your understanding of Christ, life can tend to become uncomfortable. It challenges the things that we might find comfortable. Knowing and believing the deep truths about Jesus will lead us to change. And it makes changes in our life and it makes us stand up and speak up. So you can understand the temptation. You can appreciate the temptation to lay low and to lazily remain just vague about our faith. And that way, well, we won't offend other people. So with that temptation in mind, now the writer really turns up the heat. Have a look at here, verse 4 on screen. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Now, who does the writer have in mind here? Well, of course, he wants his readers to think that he's talking about them, which he is. But why these particular descriptions? Just a bit earlier in Hebrews, in chapters 3 and 4, again, we were introduced to the Israelite wilderness generation, who, when you think about it, they too were enlightened, in some ways quite literally, by a pillar of fire. They had tasted the heavenly gift as manna from heaven. Isaiah tells us later that the Holy Spirit had been with the Exodus generation. We see how God spoke to them marvellously and regularly as they experienced God's power during the Exodus. That wilderness generation had been incredibly blessed and privileged. And yet, we read, they hardened their hearts and they fell away. Now, Christians today are actually even more privileged than that, even more privileged than the Israelites. We too have been enlightened as we see Jesus, the light of the world. He came down as a gift from heaven. The Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of all believers. We have God's word in the Bible. We know Jesus' powerful miracles and his glorious resurrection from the dead, which is anticipating the world to come. God has been so kind towards us that we, just like the Hebrews, can be quick to forget. It's so easy for us to get bogged down in the hassles, the difficulties, the frustrations of life. Maybe we have a fear of missing out because we're Christian. Maybe we can fear of what others think of us or how they might treat us because we follow Jesus. And so we're tempted to become, to keep Jesus at arm's length. And the more we do that, the more we're in danger of drifting away from Jesus altogether. And so as we read on in the passage, in verses 7 and 8, we actually will read a, an echo of the parable of the sower, that famous parable that warns us of the worries of this life and how it can choke out God's word. Have a look at verse 7 from Hebrews chapter 6. 
land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now, before we move on, we really do have to mention the elephant in the room uh, when we look at this passage. If you didn't know already, um, this passage includes a key text in the debates that surround the question on can a Christian fall away? Well, we'll come to that in a moment. But firstly, the issue that the author is addressing here is not whether or not someone can fall away, but whether or not someone who has fallen away can turn back. And the answer here is no, clearly no. It is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. There is no point, there is a point of no return when it comes to fall, falling away. And it's also important to notice what falling away is actually meaning here in this passage. It's not, it's not merely thinking uh, that it's backsliding as a Christian, an understanding of um, backsliding, failing as a Christian. For these Jewish Christians, falling away meant reverting back to the Old Testament religion. To fall away meant turning from the reality of Jesus and trusting in practices that would only condemn them. It meant that they would ultimately be rejecting the Messiah and thus they would be crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. The exact details of how they'd be doing this is actually going to be spelt out later in chapters uh, in, in Hebrews. Now, there was a real danger here, given the direction that they were going, and they needed a stern warning. You know, it's like telling small children not to play too close to the edge of a cliff, yet they kept wandering closer and closer. There comes a point where you need to just grab them and hold them still, even show them the fall in front of them so they can see the danger before them. And it's because these Jewish Christians had not yet gone over the cliff that the warning was possible and still live. Because once they got to the point of no return, it's too late for warnings. Repentance is not possible. Now, we can dilute the warning of this passage and say, well, maybe it's only hypothetical, that actually there's no real danger of falling away once you're in the hands of God. But if that's the case, then why is the warning here? It makes no sense. I mean, if there's a secure three-metre-high concrete wall guarding the edge of a cliff, well, then warnings aren't necessary. Now, what's happening here? In the mind of the author, there is a real possibility, a real danger, and that's why the alert needs to be sounded. Now, coming back to our question, can a Christian fall away? Well, the debate usually fires up between those who think Christians can fall away and those that think they can't. Now, it's a contrast based on warning passages like this and elsewhere in the Scriptures. And then there's the assurance passages on the other that talk about never being taken out of the hand of God. However, we've found actually here, as we look carefully at Hebrews chapter 6, this passage actually contains both warning and assurance. One of the problems is that we've actually made a mistake in how we've posed the question. Um, 
can a Christian fall away? In some sense, it's just a theoretical question and can be asked and answered just in the abstract, just as information. But the New Testament here is asking a far more direct and important question. Will you fall away? It's personal. It's not a topic for academic discussion. And so the answer here is clear. It's saying, make sure you don't. Make sure you don't fall away. So both the warning and the assurance push us to the same conclusion. Make sure that you're trusting in God. The warnings are there to scare us in some ways about the consequences if we don't continue to trust God. And the assurance passages are there to generate our continual faith because they speak of a God who is faithful to his promises and who can keep us from falling. Either way, the message is simple. Keep trusting. Maintain your hope. Don't give up. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, the writer of the Hebrews is writing with a pastoral concern. He urges his readers to make sure they'll make it to the end. I mean, listen to the language in verses 9 and 10 here on the screen. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. The writer here cares deeply for his readers. He sounds the warning out of love. But on a positive note, he's actually quite confident they have not fallen away and that they'll right the boat, steady the ship. Indeed, he actually sees better things in them, in particular their, their love for God and for his people. It's an obvious challenge for us today, isn't it? Especially in these days of COVID restrictions. I mean, are we still practically expressing our love for our fellow believers? Are we still in meaningful contact with them? Do we know what their needs are? Are we helping them in ways which they're struggling? Well, it seems here the readers of the Hebrews are working like this and the writer was greatly encouraged by them. But in closing, he says, now, don't give up. Keep going. Look at the way he finishes this section in verse 11. We want, each of you, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realised. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Later in the letter, the writer is going to compare the Christian life to a race and he urges us to run the race set before us. Not to just plod along or walk, but to run. Now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to be able to keep going? How can we respond to these warnings and challenges that we've heard? Is it really all down to us? Is it just us? Well, far from it. Look to the example of those who've gone before us. What did they have? They had faith and patience in God and in his steadfast promise. So yes, I mean, there's been a real challenge in today's passage about the response we should make. But even so, the focus of our attention of our Christian lives is not to be on our own efforts, but on the work of God. 
That's why we have a, a sure, certain and lasting hope because it is anchored to the perfect work of Jesus, our High Priest, and rests upon the steadfast promises of God. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your word. We thank you so much that you speak to us and you speak to us in love. Even when we need warning, when we need correction, you do so out of love. And so, Lord, we do pray you would strengthen us this day, correct us in the wrong path, lead us back to walking with you and more closely and also encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ to do likewise. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for bringing us that message, Paul. No worries. Much a pleasure. Um, something I picked up uh, in listening to you there was that you were saying that the key verse was in chapter 6, verse 1, and where the writer presses for the need to develop and deepen our understanding of God and not to remain immature and move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ. Mm. I was just wondering if you could spell out possibly what the writer is talking about there so what would you class as those elementary teachings but then also what it looks like to move beyond those teachings mm. and please jump in after paul if you feel feel like yeah it. yeah good good question and uh, as, as i sort of pointed out briefly um uh it, a lot of those elementary teachings that are listed there um are actually in the old testament so they're not um, distinctly christian um they're very much of God and, and what God expects of his people. But um, in an Old Testament sense, a Orthodox Jew would do those things. Right. And so the temptation for the Hebrew Christians were, especially in that context of being persecuted for their faith in Jesus, is to sort of put that aside, go back to that previous religion, the shadow of the reality, go back to the shadow um, in order to lay low, to simply avoid persecution um, and just get back to maybe the familiar, mm. um, maybe the more comfortable. Um, that, I think, was their temptation. And so uh, those um, elements of the, of the, of the teaching uh, definitely can be understood and applied in Jesus but it will change their life. It will change their direction of how they serve God and it will, be, it will result in them becoming a list, well, standing out from their Jewish uh, neighbours. Mm. Which mm. you were concerned about, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add to that, V? Um, just um, as you were talking then, Paul, it was making me think about, I don't want to push it too far, but do you think we can therefore for ourselves perhaps go to a context of like, you know, growing up in a, you know, you know a post-Christian world like where, where a lot of our laws, our values are initially based on you know, a value for life that comes from the Bible, those sorts of things. And so as Christians, we can sort of become a Christian but not maybe change too much from the people around us. Um, yeah, is that is that a valid reading, do you think, to move forward in that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, the application for us today as Christians is that um, we can too can have a, a sort of a, a, a vague-ish faith. Mm. And so um, even in today's very much post-Christian, very secular world, um, you could have a faith and that's okay. We can sort of tolerate that. Mm. Um, but when you go, well, my faith 
is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is salvation can be found in no other name. Um, and it also changes radically the way we live. Yeah. Um, that's when it can become offensive. Yeah. Um, it can. It might be totally positive um, and helpful um, in elements, but mm. it becomes offensive um, because we're humbling ourselves before Jesus, who is the rightful Lord of all. And so, yeah, we can we can back off from that and talk about um, having a, a, a vague faith. Um, Just being a nice person. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a nice person. Um, you know, you might even hear it through. Um, I mean, I, see, I love that um, during the Olympics, there was that, that girl that won the high jump. Um, I don't know. Mm. I can't even remember her name now. I think her last name was McDermott or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look it up. Look it up while you go. Um, uh, she won the silver medal, you know, beyond our expectations. And there was a lot, um, but in the interview afterwards, she was very clearly a Christian. And um, I thought, oh, this is interesting. And she was being quite open about that faith. And um, uh, the, the, the interviewer even asked her to elaborate on that faith. And I thought, wow, this is, this is wow. Mm. Like secular media, the, most of the eyes of Australia might be on it because it's a high-rating high thing, the Olympics. And Nicola McDermott. Nicola okay. McDermott, yeah. And so it was lovely to see her very openly talking about that. Um, and I think that there's certain elements of what she was sharing which we can sort of all nod our heads and think, well, that's lovely. Mm. So she talked about being a misfit as growing up as a young child and how she was welcomed into a loving community. And we go, yep, 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 that's, that's true. That's a Christian community. Um, it was actually in print media later that I read a little bit more what she was talking about. Um, well, of course she was talking about that. But she even added that a key point of her life was when she became a Christian was that she put that as absolutely number one. Whatever came after that was um, fine, but not that important, um, which included, you know, athletics and all that sort of stuff. And so um, just interesting that I think that would be something that would be challenging yeah. for people to say, you know what, actually, I'll put this on the back burner, even though I'm maybe elite and I could even win a medal in the, in the Olympic Games, it comes second to Jesus and my trust in follow and, and obedience to him. That would be, I think, beeped out um, <laughs> um, yep. of, of the, ch the Channel 7 news flash. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it was actually really cool seeing her. I don't know if you saw with um, Nicola that she, every time she had a jump, she would write in her journal afterwards and there's this huge cross in it mm. that I noticed when I was on TV. I'm like, man, that's... That's quite an overt display because everyone's like, "What are you writing in there?" Like yeah, yeah, so, yeah I, I remember seeing that even in a print media as well. Yep. Um, there was this big picture of her writing with the big cross, mm. and then a question underneath: "What is she writing in there?" I'm thinking, <laughs> "Well, maybe she's writing a prayer. Maybe yeah. she's giving thanks to God." Well, that, that's um, what was really cool. It's like she's obviously re using a resource for her to maintain her faith in a time of like, a need and concentrating on God. I was just wondering: we're talking about maturing in our faith. And um, obviously the Bible is the number one thing that we can read to do that. But I was wondering if you guys have any books or resources that you, throughout your Christian life, had really helped you mature in your faith. And if you just wanted to share a couple, both of you actually. But Fee, do you want to go first? You've already talked about John Stott. I have, yeah, definitely reading John Stott as a young person was, um, yeah, very challenging. 
encouraging for me. I think, did we talk about J.R. Packer the other week, Concise Theology? Yep. I'm pretty sure that was in one of his sermons and I was just there going, yes, yes, that's that's an amazing book that um, I found very, very encouraging and challenging and made me think um, as a young person. Um, a lot of C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. I find. like I, I don't agree with everything that C.S. Lewis says from a faith point of view, um, but I think I'm probably um, a little bit more forgiving because of... Um, growing up with Narnia and how beautiful that was as, as a <laughs> yep. kid who grew up reading a lot of fantasy stuff and not actually necessarily connecting that with with Christ and then realising that he had done that. And an interesting contrast between what he did and what um, uh, um, The Lord of the Rings does with J.R. Tolkien, where both of them were coming from a faith perspective, but they have a different way of dealing with that. And also then reading some other authors that have, um, like, um, oh, what's, what's the Dark Materials... I've forgotten the author's name. Anyway, there's a there's a series that came out a while ago. Um, there was a movie, a series. Oh, I think the first movie. I don't think they actually did the whole series. Um, that came out based on it. And he actually said he was doing his fantasy to correct the whole idea of um of C.S. Lewis. Don't you? That's well. That's a long way of saying I really appreciate C.S. Lewis, <laughs> and he was yeah very helpful for me as a young person to connect those two worlds. Um, yeah, like just a delight in in fantasy and that beautiful imagination, and also see how the Bible actually is is beautiful in the same way rather than contrasting or having to choose you know, one or the other. Yep. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, probably the books that, that particularly come to mind. Anything for you, Paul? Mm. Besides Spot, of course. <laughs> because, <laughs> oh, I mean, definitely Spot. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> 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 A little bit more profound. Um, uh, there was um, – I, I remember when, when – my faith was challenged by by worldviews, and and um, and uh, it was again one of the big formative times in my life was when I went to university. Um, as a Christian, uh, maybe a Christian with just elementary basics, um, and when I'm saying basics, Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. <laughs> that was <laughs> it, and um, and what. Of course, coming into a, a place where there's a lot more ideas and argy-bargy of thoughts and stuff like that, um, I remember just reading books um, on uh, apologetics and things like that and getting a little bit more training as to how to explain the gospel and things like that, which, which really sort of made me think, oh, I've got to actually move past the elementary, base, ele- elementary level mm. and actually be a little bit more confident in what I'm um, doing. And then through that sort of stuff coming back to scripture and reading that actually seeing oh there's actually a lot more um i can be a lot more confident even using the scripture itself as a, as a an apologetic tool um of answering worldviews yeah that's yep. cool i just thought of another one while you were talking okay. um there's a john dixon book called simply christianity and the reason i thought of it was because paul was saying and then coming back to the scriptures and i love what he does in that book is he actually has the whole of luke's gospel and then comments on it and it was they they had issues with copyright and being able to do that. So he and a mate from Bible college, the stories the went back and, and retranslated the whole thing. So they had their copyrighted translation of it, and they were able to put it in this book. So yeah. it's a fantastic book to give to somebody who is thinking about Jesus, because if they read it, they've actually read a gospel. Yeah, right. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. So mm. it's like I I really I rate that. John Dixon's another one I grew up with. I think it, he was just that one step ahead of me at every point. So when I was a teenager, he was sort of in his 20s and writing books for teenagers. And then when I got into my 20s and went to college, he'd already gone to college and was writing stuff. And then he went into his sort of looking into um, um, 
yeah, ancient stuff. And he's he's got some views now that not everybody agrees with, and you know, be that as it may. But um, but yeah, his his writings were really helpful to me, and just something that I knew. And I think also because um, he was in a band when I was a kid, so it was like this whole thing of you're, you're like, oh, you know, he went, he, he and his mates were in a band, and then they broke it up so that some of them could go to Bible college and just stuff like that really sort of you know, catches your imagination, I think, when you're a young person. And you're like, well, what's this person doing? And helps you to want to read more. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Um, the, the final thing that I want to talk about is obviously one of the main parts of that particular passage is the Christian falling away. And as you said, Paul, reading that passage is a little scary and also, but it's also a warning that there is a real danger of falling away from God and never being able to get back. Um, I know that when I've read that passage, I felt like a bit of a pang of fear or concern about that. Um, and you also mentioned that Hebrews is a, is a pastoral letter in, in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to say, if someone like me was cons- feeling that way in reading those passages, what would you say to them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a- excellent question. Um, it's a, it's a, I think, as I mentioned, I mean, warning passages can be hard to listen to um, and uh, I know it sounds terribly politically incorrect to say this to say that something might scare you <laughs> but um, it comes from a place of love and like and um, and concern and so much of um, of Hebrews well it's it's as the writer himself describes it as it's a word of exhortation he wants people to be moved deeply to um, deepen their conviction commitment to Jesus um, and sometimes you can be a little bit worried about hard teachings thinking oh dear um, it's ta- he's talking about me um, I'm, I might be struggling in my faith and so I'm falling away and um, it's, hor- it's, it's, it's horrible to think I could be, I could be falling away um, at that point I'd almost think I want to say that if you're thinking like that that actually is a good thing it means your conscience is alive and well and your, and your ears are properly tuned to, to this passage. Um, and so at that point, try to lift your eyes from yourself to the author and perfecter of our faith, um, as he's described in Hebrews, the Lord Jesus, that we trust in him and follow him and we rely on what he has done. We're always going to fail, mm. um, sadly. <laughs> we, we, um, you know, we, we can sometimes, and it's great to be able to um, rejoice at little victories, and, uh, and that's really good. Um, but sometimes you can then think, I'm doing okay, and, and then you, you slip again. And so um, it's about understanding that, yeah, we're going to keep slipping, um, but as the example finishes there, so keep your eye on the ones who have gone before us, and their faith, trusting in the one who's the perfect one who has gone before us, who is our high priest, who is there in heaven, uh, in the inner um, sanctum with God um, as our uh, representative. He stands there pleading to God, not my works, not um, how good I might be, um, but he pleads his blood. What he, what he has done and his work. And we enter heaven on that regard because he is our high priest. And so it's, it's trusting in him. So it's, it's lifting our eyes from maybe a bit too much introspection 
that might be a little that that, that gets us down, because I'm a, that, that gets me down, mm. and um, and it's then when you know, in, especially in the, as I read God's word, as I'm in the fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters, um, that I can lift my eyes, be encouraged by also I brought my brothers and sisters, but don't just stop there. Keep looking beyond that to, to again that I keep saying that the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, Jesus Christ. It's, it's like um, you were talking about how imperative in terms of wearing off that danger of falling away is your personal faith um, and maintaining the hope in Christ and persevering and persevering all the time. Uh, there's that uh, little section, I can't remember what verse it was, sorry, but it said, um, with faith and patience we would inherit what's been promised. Mm. Um, but is it easy for you to lose sight of that sometimes? We talk about how we fail sometimes. Do you think that we do do that enough? I don't know. if I, I, I would say I certainly don't. Thinking about the hope that we have. Yeah, yeah. And, and that personal faith, the imperativeness of it too. Yeah, and I think it's like, it is like what Paul was saying about, you know, we have that fellowship with one another, but then we want to move beyond that to Jesus. And I suppose it's in some ways a... a um, a possible negative to having a beautiful church that loves to fellowship with one another, that it can end there. And I suppose that's a little bit like the warning earlier, not to stay with the elemental stuff. Like it's you know, it's possible just to come to church, hang out, enjoy the hanging out, but not actually think deeply about your own personal faith in Jesus. So I suppose that um, that that fellowship that we've talked about in a previous sermon, one of Jai's sermons, we were talking about how... Um, how being together actually can help us to have more faith and we encourage one another and, and we do that. But we've got to make sure that it's not not just that, I suppose. So that's a yeah, a good reminder to not to be relying on only when you're doing stuff together. So, you know, um to to be um yeah, I suppose like for for me I'd say, you know, you um you're praying when you're with your community group, you know, you're praying when you're with other Christians, you're praying when you're at church, are you praying on your own? Um, you're reading the Bible when you're with other Christians. You're reading the Bible if you're doing a community group or a study or anything of that type. But are you are you doing it sort of on your own? I suppose that's a that's a question we've always got always got to come back to, um, not to tick any boxes or any of that sort of stuff. I'm not a big fan of that sort of thinking. Um, but but as a as a thing, is that is this personal to me or is it just something that I'm you know rolling along with mm. with a bunch of other people? Well, I think that's um that's actually something that Braden. Ethan and myself discussed on the Chip Lunch podcast once and we were talking about what happened when we finished high school and mm. we were Christians and we didn't, we felt like we possibly wasted some time because we felt like we should have taken our faith more seriously in in school and also outside of school and we we're thankful for the time to be hanging out with people, exactly like we are saying, but we think we could have done more if we had taken our faith more seriously. Um, anyway, like you got to go back, like Paul said, and, and not beat yourself about the, the head about it, but go no, okay, let's let's, yeah, let's that's move true. on. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. And that's yeah. what we were kind of working through on that episode was mm. like, oh, well, we can't do anything about it now, but we have the the perfect person, or sorry, God to look for, look to to actually change how we're we're doing that. So that's mm. where that that personal faith thing that you spoke about in your sermon, then Paul was like, a, that was really encouraging to me. So thank you so much for that um hopefully you enjoyed the sermon too well i'm sure you did actually but um <laughs> we appreciate you paul thank you very much and uh, we'll be back soon with the rest of the panel
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're back on the panel here with Tim and Fee joining us again. Uh, now, you guys um, both do jobs that you're in front of a computer. So do I, actually, is my other, in my other job. Uh, how are you managing to get around that? Are you? Because like, I actually have a stand-up desk at work. I love it. Like I spend all day standing up, um, but I don't have that at home. So I need to come up with a makeshift one, I think. Uh, any kind of uh, hot tips you've got, Tim, to make sure for office workers that are finding it difficult in a pandemic pandemic yeah uh so mo- most of my work would normally be out in the car driving around meeting with people catching up in cafes um and churches and so yeah so now stuck behind um a computer screen trying to do as much of that as possible hanging out with people and zoom call them um bit of admin uh yeah look before i start so early morning um Oh, to, I go running um, a couple of mornings a week and so that's good sort of getting out and about. Um, have Joel's voice in my ear as I run, as listening to the uh, Shock Absorber podcast <laughs> and the say, Chip what Lunch. Were, what were you listening to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the Shock Absorber and the Chip Lunch podcast. Give a plug for those things, like, subscribe. Um, but they're both excellent. Uh, lots of other things I listen to. Um, so that's, that's good, getting out and about, just trying to get um, – I stand up. If I am doing a phone call rather than a Zoom, I uh, try and do that while I'm walking around, even just pace my bedroom in circles um, just to you know, get a bit of movement into the day. Could you just drive around? Could I just drive? I mean, I could. Keep in um, your LGA, but just drive around the Shire. Uh, yeah, I mean, that hasn't really occurred to me, but it has, I, I suppose I could. But yes. you're trying to look after the environment. Look after the environment, time. yeah. You're trying to put too much pollution in the air. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> no, stay, 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 the dolphins go free or something because of COVID? I don't know. The, on the dolphin wall down at Loftus? No. <laughs> <you're talking> <laughs> no, wasn't there something? Last time we were all locked down, there was all this press about how there were dolphins in Venice and I don't know. I don't know if it was true oh, or bring fake news. I like it that you're bringing the Italian news back to Ooh. Venice. Didn't, didn't mean to do that. But well, yeah. Venice is sinking, so... Venice is sinking, but they've got yeah. dolphins. So. But there were pictures of, like, they reckon that because usually it's so polluted and because oh, of lockdown, oh. there was less people going out and dolphins came. Mm. Have you been doing some sort of exercise for you? Are you out there walking? <laughs> Pounding yeah. the pavement? I have been walking, riding our bikes. So that's something that Sadie and I that's like cool. to do, which is fun. And I actually got to go and um, meet my nieces for a bike ride week ago which was awesome because i hadn't seen them face to face for ages but that was sort of that's nice there within within our k's and and that's legit to to do that because it's outside and everything so that was nice and it, actually i i discovered something i didn't know not not being somebody who normally rides bikes with little kids i didn't realize that when you're with kids under 12 you're actually allowed to ride on the pavement with on the them. footpath because mm-hmm. i was chatting with them um, um my sister I was like hang on like do i need to ride on the road and they're on the path and how do i you know how do i keep track of them, and and she's like, oh, you can you can do that. So there you go. That was pretty cool. So I got to ride on the footpath legally, which excellent. I don't I don't usually do. Sidey, um, yeah. Sidey is a uh, skateboarder. Do you ever he does he ever hang on to the back of your uh, bike seat and you have to pull him along? No. When we go bike riding, we both go on bikes. When he goes skateboarding, that's generally a solo expedition for him. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm not skating. <laughs> you know, look, when we in our early days of courtship, I used to go to the oh. skate park. That was I when you're being your best self. So I was like being my best yeah. self. But I used to skate as well. <laughs> All right. My skate career ended when I had a bit of a tumble. And anyway, long story, my 
I was supporting myself by waitressing at the time because I was doing some high school scripture early days and donations were few and far between. So the board would pay me when a donation came in pretty much. So my only regular income, my parents had moved overseas, was was that. Um, and I fell over and really did a bit of a number on my ankle and had this little realisation, hang on a second, if I injure myself skating, I will have no income. So... Skating, that was the end of my not, skating career. Well, skating's not good for ankles, really. It's no, not, it's not or, really, uh, or backs sensitive. or knees or... Wrists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but I, I, I was learning to drop in and doing quite well at that until I... That's impressive because I can't do that. Yeah. But yeah, look at me. At Fairy Meadow. Skate park down at Fairy Meadow mm. back, in the, back in the day. Shout out to the fairies after, in the meadow. After Friday Night Youth, we used to all drive down to fairies. Wow. That's, that's before long, my time. It's, it's well before <laughs> your time, Joel. Before were, your you time. There, were you there, Tim, in that time of Soul Revival? Uh, I think one or two Saturday nights when I was in year 11 or 12, okay. I think we went down to Ferry Meadow for a skate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't do that at the moment. Can't do that at the you moment. Can't, can't go no. in those LGAs. Ah. No, not in the, yeah, not the right Green Hills. <laughs> Green Hills. Yeah. Green Hills or, you know, like a real skater, do it in a real urban yes. area of the Shire. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Anyone? With his sign saying you can't. All right, fee. Oh, Sorry. Just that's, that's <laughs> I'm just trying to make a joke. Real skaters? No, I'm, 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 I'm saying that's what they do. <laughs> oh, we'll move on. yeah, because you yeah, married a skater, so you wouldn't you would know the lingo. Anyway, um, one thing we we're going to say, everyone, is that uh, keep using the traffic light system. I think it's a really cool way of everyone understanding how we're feeling at the moment. We do it as a staff. Um, we're also doing other text chats. Just put a green dot if you're going really well a amber or orange dot as we depends on what color you prefer but uh, just to tell us that you're kind of like not feeling great or if you're red and you really need some help with someone and really need to chat um, make sure you're using that because it's actually a really quick way to understand how you're feeling you don't have to explain yourself of everything that's going on you can just say i'm really hard really finding this hard and people go all oh, right well we can help you with that so make sure you check that out as tim also said check out all the other podcasts we've got on youtube and on your podcast apps but for now we're going to wrap it up and say Everybody ready? One, One way. way.